as the great and the good lauded the life and work of activist, writer and poet Maya Angelou, who passed recently. One young woman, Maya Carter, a Denver resident and now a student at USC, has taken every element of Maya Angelou's being to heart in thought, word, deed and activism. Maya Angelou was everything to Maya Carter. I don't remember ever not being aware of who she is um, because I was named after her. My mom always had her poetry and always told me about where my name come from and what the expectation for me was very like fast. <laughs> I've been close. I went to Wake Forest University and visited and was told that she was on campus and I got this overwhelming feeling of I don't know how to describe. I don't want to say it's fear, but it was it was a moment of questioning of am I even worthy of speaking to this woman? And perhaps that's an insecurity in myself and I need to read more of Maya's poetry and gain the strength she's given me my whole life, but what brought Maya to a whole nother level was the amount of pain and suffering she went through that she overcame. But then the powerful part was that she was brave enough to explain that process and teach others to do the same. And my mom wanted me to be able to do that. She is named Maya. She feels Maya. She breathes Maya. And this is because her mother, Janine Carter, saw in Maya Angelou the kind of person she wanted her daughter, Maya Carter, to become. I was able to have a long conversation with her, and I was completely moved by the energy she exuded and the words she shared with me. That conversation changed my life, not only because they helped me determine my mantra and life's work, but moreover what I would name my daughter when she was born. I hoped my Maya could learn and be motivated by her resilience, perseverance, empathy, and expression of emotion through poetry and song. At KGNU in May a year ago, the very selfless Joel Edelstein News Director suggested that someone might like to speak to Maya Angelou, who was, as we now know, giving one of her very last rounds of interviews on her work. During our conversation, I couldn't help but remember young Maya Carter. You see your culture struggling, you see your community struggling, and you wonder, why me? And you wonder, what can I do? And so when Maya talks about how, talks about her struggle, any person can identify it with it as long as they put aside their guilt and they put aside what they think they are and they just listen to what she has to say. I grew up with a great grandmother, a grandmother, and a mother all in one house, multiple generations of stubborn and fabulous women and accountability and an appreciation of potential because only a woman who's seen the world for longer than you have can understand what you can do in that world. So what I learned from my great-grandmother, first female secretary in a firehouse in New York City, what I learned from her was that there is no excuse to not reach your full potential. And then what I learned from her daughter is that you can reach the full potential if you listen who came before you. And she taught me that by sharing the stories of her mother. And then my mother constantly held me accountable to that. You can run away from your mom and throw a tantrum like my generation likes to do. But when your grandmother sits you down and tells you what she has been through 
and your mother and you listen together and try to understand your past, there's no escaping that. You're always held accountable to that. In the journey that Dr. Angelo took to become the magnificent person she was, Maya Carter, in her journey, is looking for nuggets of advice. It's true. You know, I start the book by saying that people ask, how did you get to be that way? How did you get to be Maya Angelou? Black, born black in a white country, poor in a country where money is adored, uh, all of these things. How did you get to be this powerful and prolific uh, c- composer and writer? And and I, I thought about my grandmother, my father's mother, who raised me, who told me I really was somebody, and, and my brother. The lessons for young Maya from Dr. Angelo have been many and powerful. The most important of them, young Maya says, are those Dr. Angelo learned from her mother and her grandmother and her multi-generational upbringing. Young Maya too was very lucky in being brought up in a household of generational wisdom. But the real impact, the lasting impact, was that my mother had on me. How did she convince white jobbers that she would be valuable, I mean, she would be a valuable customer. That she, if they brought her cans of, of coffee and peanut butter and cans of tomatoes and so forth, that she would have the money when they came back to that village. And this was in the 20s and 30s. Uh, my grandmother also uh, was very kind. She spoke, spoke very quietly, softly. And uh, and she always had time for me. She never, I mean, she she was patient. And with a young child, there's nothing greater than patience from an adult. adult. But, you know, there are people, I believe there's a parent who is a great parent of uh, small children and would be held for an, a, a young adult. And the vice versa is, is true, too. I know that people who have small children, they keep them all dialed up and pretty and their little bows in their hair and bow ties and all that, and nice little laces in their shoes. But when they grow to be about 13 or 14, the parents, they can't stand them. They say, shut up, go over there, sit down, be quiet, go somewhere. Don't you have homework to do? Don't you? And the same, another parent would be a great parent of an adult, a near adult. But my mother was that part person, terrible in the convenient, in the conventional sense. She didn't know, she had no patience. She wasn't amused. You know how some people are amused by little children. If they say something cute or do something cute, they're amused. My mother wasn't amused by small children at all. Bored to death, probably. One of the things they, each of them in their own way, taught me was that I was worthy of being treated well. That I had self-esteem. I had to enjoy my, I had to respect myself. And that there was, and make sure that other people respected me. That I was better than to be called out of my name. And so I, I, took, I believed them. I, and uh, my mother had a phrase. She said, 
whenever anybody would use the word bitch around her, she said, I'll be one, and I've just been that one, not, not, not one more. And as one man told her, I heard you are bad. I said, Mister, she is bad. Please take, take my word for it. She is bad. I know that she really, she taught me in every way possible that um, that I had, I was worthy of the best things in life. And I was worthy to try anything. Anything good, I could try it. And I would no doubt be very good at it. And she, she taught me, sister, when you get to give and when you learn, teach. She said, now, you that'll take you all over the world. And you know it has done so. It has taken me to Yugoslavia to be a translator in several Croats, taken me to Egypt to live in Egypt as one of the two Americans in the Middle East in communication, and all over the world. Her family told her, as she says in the interview, is when you learn, teach. Be proud of what you learn and be confident enough to share it with your community. And that's something that especially women right now are struggling with, to keep their hands raised in classrooms, to be willing to stand up and present, to listen to men with open ears and then add what they actually feel. I'm never a fan of one person telling another how to live their life. But I am always a fan of a woman or man sharing what they've learned because each story that someone has can help another person. And that's what Maya Angelou has done in her countless books. Mm-hmm. The specific and most important lesson for Maya Angelou and Maya Carter was a feeling of self-worth, that standing up and speaking your mind is not only all right, but recommended. Uh- I was glad that to go back to the store uh, because somehow I knew that for one thing there'd always there'd be food and I would have a chance to read and I liked that a lot. I liked reading. She was silent for a long period in her life after being molested by one of her mother's boyfriends. I mean, to have to reconcile that and forgive your mother and struggle with silence is an incredibly difficult thing. And so she takes words very seriously because she knows that poetry and books and words are what brought her out. Because we're afraid that if we take a pause in this competitive world of multiple uh, media outlets that someone else is going to take that pause, take our time, take our airtime, take our newspaper, and our voice won't be heard. But Maya Angelou doesn't have that fear because she wasn't heard for so long, and she knows that if she uses those deliberate words, somebody's going to listen. Young Maya Carter also points to the significance and vital importance of Dr. Maya Angelou's brother Bailey in her life. Um, I believe he was 17 or 18 and he left Maya and that was very difficult for her and there was a huge void. And so as she saw her mother fill that void with other men, including a man who molested her, um, Maya filled that void with, with love for men that she regretted. But also through poetry, and also through books. But I knew that Bailey loved me so much. 
and I loved him so much that my voice couldn't hurt him. But I thought my voice had killed a man. And and uh, I was seven years old, and that was my logic, that I that my voice could go right through keyholes and out windows and through the doors and kill people uh, just randomly. So it was better not to speak at all. And I read every book in the black school, and I memorized uh, everything I could memorize. Uh, but Bailey I could talk to, um, and he talked to me, too. And if I had something to say to my grandmother, I'd tell it to Bailey, and he would tell it to her. During the KGNU interview with Dr. Maya Angelou, she was anxious to get back to politics. It was the lifeblood of her creativity. And to this influence, she gives great credit to her mother, who she thinks would have had useful opinions today. She said, you know, Malcolm X is a, is a, crowd, as a, a crowd monger. And uh, she said, Malcolm, uh, she'd rather me go back to work for Martin Luther King. She said, because he's, he, he really wants to save people's souls. But um, Malcolm was more her type, really. I don't think she she knew how much her imp- impact on me had sent me to the political uh, fields and to the to the uh, walks and and uh, the sit-ins. And I don't think so. No, but she was proud of me. I know that Martin Martin Luther King thought that there would be a black person in the White House in 40 years, but I didn't. I did not believe it. And, uh, of course, we have a black president in the second, on the second go-round. So, um, yes, it, it's amazing to me that, the, that we still have the vintage racism in our country, but we have come through so much. We are growing up somehow. She was unequivocal in her support for Hillary Rodham Clinton. I surely do, and I've got to have her back again if she runs. When, when uh, at, at one point, uh, some of the powerful Democrats called me down here and said, um, I hope that you'll tell Mrs. Clinton to step down because... Uh, it's obvious that uh, Senator Obama is going to be the nomination nominee. So I said, no, uh, if she steps down, I'll step down. I make a good friend. She said, I told her 20 years ago, if you ever run for anything, I've got your back. But for young Maya Carter, there are still aspects of politics today that make no sense to her as a young voter. But what doesn't make even, what, what also doesn't make sense is that They think that every black person, because they self-identify as black, would vote for a man who self-identifies as black. When in reality, that's only a small piece of a subconscious understanding of a politician. Now, for Maya, as a powerful woman, just like Hillary Clinton, and as a black human being, just like Obama, there's a serious break in uh, identification where it would be easy for her to say, okay, Am I more black or am I more woman? But that's not the question. The question becomes, which policies 
do I identify more with? And so for Maya, Hillary Clinton, being a friend, being a woman that she can speak to and identify with as a powerful woman in America is a policy issue and not a female male issue because her policies will match up with the thoughts of Maya Angelou because of historical experiences that will match up due to how America treats people who are in the same boxes. Particularly striking to 19-year-old Maya Carter was a slight sense of disappointment in the progress of politics today. Uh, I think that you can feel, due to her amazing use of imagery, uh, pessimism towards uh, humanity. But you can also feel her optimism for the future of humanity. Um, but the problem is that that's all found in her earlier works and the future that she was optimistic about is currently occurring. And I think Maya saw the potential of America, especially after all of her travels, to be such a great nation. And it's not reaching her expectations. And for that, for her, it's inexcusable because she had more obstacles than you would think any human being could possibly overcome. So I think she's disappointed in uh, the lack of growth that America has uh, accomplished when she saw so much potential in them. There are some aspects of the world in 2014 that in the last conversation here for KGNU that Maya Angelou particularly wanted to address. So many need to be filled. We have a classism idea in our, in our brain, and I don't know how that got there. When, when uh, everybody who came here except the African-Americans came here looking for a better place, uh, that to live in a place where they wouldn't be persecuted for the God they believed in and called by name. And yet, somehow we still have the idiocy of uh, thinking that white makes right and right is might, and that's so stupid. But we've, we've got a lot of uh, uh, idiocies that we have to work on, and I don't know, I don't know which one first. That is to say... Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Frederick Douglass said, put your bucket down where you are. Whatever's going in your neighborhood and you, need to, you see it needs fixing, try to fix it. For young Maya Carter, it might be pessimism about humanity. Um, as I came to my freshman year of college and the only two books I bought, brought with me, were I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings and Maya Angelou poems. Just give me a cool drink of water for I die. It includes And Still I Rise and Oh Pray My Wings Are Gonna Fit Me Well. And I put them on my desk and friends walked in and checked out my room and asked, who's Maya Angelou? And I had to close my door. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't watch people walk past my desk and see her work and not know who she was. So I fear that um, as the excitement of her inaugural poem that brought us back to the roots of mankind and as the excitement of the Obama presidency and how far Black people have come, uh, less and less people will know her. But I'm going to take it upon myself as someone who's named after her to always share who she is and what she stood for and know that 
every single person can learn something from her. Every piece of her has a lesson if people will listen. Uh, but I fear my generation has stopped listening. And as it happens, just one year on, USC freshman Maya Carter built the foundation for a nationwide movement, Motivate and Empower, or more simply, MNE. Social issues regarding socioeconomic status, gender, inequality, and an overall apathy among the student body was something she personally had to do something about. With the MNE movement, young Maya Carter decided to do precisely what her activist political hero, Maya Angelou, would do. Maya Carter, though, will, she says, never stop following Dr. Maya Angelou and trying to live up to the extraordinary example she set for all. My overarching role model, it's more than a role model, it's a, it's a way of life that she's taught me. I've, I've hoped that I could grow to a place where she would be proud of me too, and I don't think I'm there yet. But unfortunately, she's getting older and I'm getting older, and perhaps our lives won't cross paths, but uh, I'll always have her books. Uh, Maya Angelou said something interesting about legacy that I read a couple years ago. She said that uh, I'm not ready to leave a legacy unless God is ready for me to leave a legacy. I'm going to keep writing books until God decides that I'm ready to leave a legacy. Legacy until she's left the world because it's going to keep evolving. Well, I thank you very much. I love your part of the country, too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Remember me as a breath of spring. Remember me as a good...